Welcome everyone to the Polaris podcast. I am Jeremy Whitbeck, a partner of the Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, and we have with us Jeff Powell. Jeff is our managing partner and chief investment officer. Jeff, uh, a lot of really interesting things to talk about. So looking forward to our conversation that we're going to have this morning. And so Jeff, obviously the uh, the piece that's uh, been hitting the news in uh, on various fronts is just talking about uh, coronavirus and the mutations that keep occurring and the one that's really on everyone's radar. And so if you don't mind, can you uh, kind of lay the backdrop of why this virus is mutating, how that's being accounted for and, and why people are really paying attention to this? Well, I'm gonna start off and, uh, and say that I am by no means a virologist. Uh, I am by no means an expert within it. What I am certainly an expert in is understanding, uh, you know, enough of it to understand its impact on the markets. So, I mean, one of the things that we've kind of hit and seen a little bit is, you know, obviously we had the initial uh, reaction to the pandemic as COVID spread throughout the world. And obviously uh, at the time we were less equipped for the things that were going on around us. Uh, but back in February, March of 2000, I mean, obviously a complete shutdown of the world's economy in order to protect uh, the population in order to not have uh, the pandemic actually be much worse than it was. Um, most viruses mutate. And you know, that was one of the biggest concerns going through uh, everything that we were dealing with. And it's what goes on with obviously, again, getting people vaccinated and getting herd immunity and trying to uh, quell uh, this particular circumstance. But uh, we've seen and what goes on within the medical community is they name variants. So obviously the first variant or the first uh, part of COVID was called alpha. I mean, so this is the beginning, uh, the very first. So they're using the Greek alphabet. Um, some of you may remember that from being in fraternities or sororities, probably having to memorize the Greek alphabet, but um, we kind of progressed uh, on. Uh, the most serious of the variants that we had seen up to this point was Delta. So everything that we we're seeing in the news and seeing in the news and seeing the news was about the Delta variant. Um, and now obviously uh, what we're hearing about um, and uh, first being detected in South Africa, but obviously, you know, it's not like uh, the South Africans or anything of that nature are the ones that mutated this, uh, but now we have a, a new variant called Omicron. Uh, so again, a lot of mispronunciation of Omicron and stuff like that, but the, the proper pronunciation of it is Omicron. So, uh, we had seen a few other variants between Delta and what we've got right now. So that's one thing to kind of keep in the back of your mind is as you go through the Greek alphabet, there were eight other variants between Delta and Omicron uh, to get us to where we are right now. And so uh, what we're hearing is just a lot of concern, uh, but not really enough evidence to really be panicking or be concerned enough. Now, there are a lot of governments that are already reacting to it. We've got uh, Israel and South Africa and a number of other places that are, are shutting down. Uh, South Africa uh, actually has been on the receiving end of being shut down for travel from other places, but we're also seeing countries uh, sort of circle the wagons and get themselves to a point where they're not allowing any foreign travelers uh, into their country. And so Jeff, that's, that's interesting that there's been uh, a lot of different variants and it's really only one that uh, has uh, uprooted the initial variant, which was alpha. 
why is it that the other variants that uh, have taken place didn't really take hold? And what does that mean potentially for the latest variant? Well, the, the one thing you got to keep in mind with with all this stuff, and again, I'm not a virologist, but I do know enough about science to, to maybe get myself into trouble here, but you have a dominant strain versus a recessive chain. And so what ends up happening is, you know, okay, a new variant happens. So we had alpha and then you had beta is the next one. Well, was beta dominant? or not over alpha now it mutated but alpha still was a stronger strain of the virus uh and so beta came and went gamma came and went and then delta became dominant over alpha if you remember it you know in the united states at first it was like oh well we've got our first cases and we got our first cases and all of a sudden it was the dominant uh <coughs> excuse me the dominant thing and uh, then alpha went away. So each of these other ones, you know, again, running through the alphabet, epsilon, zeta, eta, theta, iota, kappa, lambda, and mu, all are you know, recessive to the delta virin. And in other words, delta was still stronger than all of these other mutations. So the mutation would happen, and then it would, you know, really not go anywhere, it would die off. So it would be detectable, and the science community knew about it. But again, when you have a dominant versus recessive, the dominant is going to be uh, the one that survives. And so what we have seen, and this is something you know, also to, to kind of mention, there were two other Greek letters that were actually skipped. So we've had eight variants before we've gotten to Omicron. Um, it was new in Xi. Xi in, um, in Greek, but uh, it's actually she and Chinese uh, and the Greek letter translates into XI, which is the spelling of the premier of China's name and is also a very common last name in China. Given uh, A, you know, if you were the confusion, if you're talking about the new variant, uh, okay, yeah, it's a new N-E-W, no, they meant N-U, the letter uh, N, uh, in the Greek alphabet. They skipped it due to the confusion that might come to play. And then obviously given some of the sensitivity uh, and the backlash of the Asian population due to this uh, pandemic, they chose to bypass uh, another Greek letter that would have been sensitive, uh, which again, uh, I think probably was the smarter move. Got it. And uh, to go back to the earlier comment, um, I think that's something that's really important to uh, just emphasize here that we don't even know if this new strain is going to be more dominant over Delta. I mean, that's one of the things that uh, can be really confusing for people is that we're still so early with all this that it may be like some of those previous chains on um, uh, previous mutations on those earlier Greek letters that, yeah, it technically has evolved and there's been a few cases to where we could identify it, but never takes hold because it's just not more dominant. And then- Well, if, if you remember, Jeremy, I mean, Lambda uh, for, I don't know, a week or so uh, was all the rage as well. So a variant two prior to this uh, was gonna be the next scary thing and it came and went. Uh, what we know right now uh, at least what we're hearing, I guess no might be uh, maybe getting a little ahead of myself here, but what you're hearing is that this is more transmittable, 
but the actual um, symptoms have been more mild. Now, the question really becomes, are they more mild because of the types of people that are getting it? For example, if a lot of the people that are getting it are younger and they're able to handle uh, the, this, uh, this variant better than uh, you know, somebody older, we don't know yet. And I think that's part of the, the messaging that I would throw out to people is with a lack of knowledge and a lack of, of true data, why would you react to this? You know, so far the markets have been all over the place. They're they're down, they're up, they're down, they're up. You know, yesterday's market was down substantially, not only on the news of this new variant, but also that the Federal Reserve was going to start uh, trying to taper quicker, and that they were perhaps going to drop the word transitory from the inflation that they're talking about here. So we're seeing people react uh, to a to information that is not fully understood yet, which to me is a bit foolhardy, uh, obviously reactionary, and uh, one that can actually financially harm yourself by uh, by reacting to something rather than actually going off of concrete information. Got it. And uh, one of the points I was going to mention with all that too uh, is that uh, it's still so early that we don't know. But given what has been initially talked about, this might be one of the scenarios where good news turns into bad. Because let's say that this is more transmissible than Delta and it does uproot it. And if the preliminary data that's suggesting that it may be less harmful, um, the symptoms are less, this actually may turn into a good thing in the sense that it's a less harmful variant and, and maybe not. I mean, we, we don't know, but I think that's the point is that it's still so early on that there's more that we don't know than that we do uh, than that we do know. It's a little bit surprising how strongly the market's reacting because there's just so much that uh, has not been identified and the, the uh, scientists that are working on it have been very clear that it's, it's gonna be another 10, 14 days before they can even start to chiseling away at some of these questions that we have. Um, with regard to the market, you mentioned that it's been having those volatility events. Jeff, what is typically the the right thing to do when you're dealing with a really choppy, really unpredictable market that's up one day, down the next, and just kind of bouncing all over the place? Well, I, I think the, the first thing I would say to somebody is to put your seatbelt on. It's it's kind of like being in a airplane uh, where you've got some turbulence. Uh, it might be scary. Uh, you might bounce around a little bit, uh, but it, it, this type of storm that we're dealing with is not the type of storm that makes the plane crash. So what we need to do is, is just to, to calm down, uh, to not react um, and make wise decisions based upon what we know and not guess at what we don't know. Uh, again, it's human nature. Uh, we've talked about that before, the psychology of the a fight or flight type of situation. It's, it's very natural uh, to want to take your marbles and go home, uh, but it is absolutely the wrong thing to do under these circumstances because you take yourself out of the market. And, and then what's, what is the uh, empathist to get back in? Uh, most likely you won't. And so the, the reaction here is to not be overreactive to the situation, uh, to allow us to do our jobs, uh, which is to to try to be as clinical, uh, again, using another medical term here, but trying to be as clinical and deal with triage as best as we can 
given what we're dealing with. And so, uh, again, we've joked about this word before, but triage meaning to sort. Uh, it's a French word. Uh, it was used back in World War One to determine, you know, who was truly in need of medical care and who could wait or who didn't need it at all, who was, you know, past uh, recovery. And so what we have to do in, under these circumstances is deal with triage. Information is not the issue here. It's over-information and, you know, being able to sort through so much information and they then make wise decisions based upon the information that we have at hand. And if we do that and do that consistently well, you'll be absolutely fine. And if things really do start to deteriorate, because again, I think that you got, everybody has probably heard me say this more than once, which is that the markets can be irrational longer than you can be solvent. So if we're dealing with a situation where sentiment is the driving factor, which has really been a lot of what's driven the markets over the last two years, if we start to see a panic situation we're not gonna sit there and stick around long enough to, to see it out. We're gonna get defensive again with your portfolios. Uh, but right now, given the information that we have at hand, to make those kind of radical changes makes no sense whatsoever. So again, up one day, down one day, you know, up to, down to uh, volatility, uh, you know, is all over the place too. I mean, we saw the VIX be, you know, spike well over 20 yesterday. It's down to 15 today. So, I mean, you gotta just take a deep breath, realize that, you know, we are in uncharted waters, uh, that, you know, in uncharted waters, you just need to relax and to allow things to transpire around you to make wise decisions. Otherwise, you're just gonna be separated from your money. Yeah, Jeff, that, uh, I mean, that makes sense. And it's kind of that common adage that sometimes uh, doing nothing is the best thing to do at all. Um, with regard to the Fed changing the tone on inflation, where they're dropping the word transitory, in other words, they're expecting it to remain with us uh, longer than initially forecasted. Does that mean anything for investors? Is there anything that we should be thinking about with, return, uh, with regard to our investment selection? Um, given that uh, updated forecast? Well, the big thing that I heard from, from yesterday's information is, is speeding up of, of the tapering process. Uh, so instead of going 15 uh, billion per month for an eight month time period, it sounds like they're gonna try to speed up that process, uh, which also means that that would free them uh, to be able to start raising rates sooner in order to combat inflation. So the one thing you got to remember, you know, inflation is not a horrible situation. It means that the economy is growing and growing uh, uh, steadily. Um, but in our situation, we've got an economy that is kind of sputtering a little bit. And it's sputtering because of some of the bottlenecks, as we've talked about before, in supply chain. And so when we're dealing with supply chain disruption, that's putting a little bit of a damper on things. So normally you raise rates in order to slow your economy. We don't have an issue with the slowing economy. What we're really looking at is ways to quell inflation. So it's one of the few armaments that the Federal Reserve has in order to protect us from these types of things. But obviously the biggest element of it is really getting rid of these bottlenecks. The moment that these bottlenecks are done, then we're fine. But you know, obviously a lot of this is, you know, it, well, it's, it's a couple fold. One is, you know, 
a, a stop on, stop, you know, stopping on, stopping off type of economy when you've got uh, countries that are completely shutting down, like Vietnam and Malaysia, as we've talked about before, those have material impacts on what goes on with import-export business within the United States. But then the other part of it was just, you know, a turning back on of our economy. I mean, if you've got nothing coming into the ports uh, 18 months ago, and all of a sudden you widen open uh, that with, you know, which basically began as people started getting vaccinated uh, at the beginning of this year, oh my gosh, you're looking at having, you know, a hundred people trying to get through one door. And obviously that's going to put a backlog in place. So once we kind of, you know, get in queue, get through this, things open back up, things should normalize. And so I, you know, I think that really the messaging from uh, the Fed is, they're trying to combat this faster. I don't look at that as neg as necessarily a negative thing. I mean, as you said, most information can be taken in both ways. If, if we combat the inflationary environment faster than what we were expecting before, then it hopefully means that we get rid of inflation sooner. So is it a bad thing? Well, if you're a big bond investor, probably. Um, I would be definitely looking to lock in whatever mortgages you can or anything else of that nature because you're probably looking at all-time lows here uh but other than that no it's not necessarily a negative thing it's just again in the, in the backstop of uncertainty the backstop of not knowing the initial reaction is well that's bad you know well how is it bad you know we already know that there's inflation if you if you want to put a word in front of it to describe it better and say transitory or temporary or whatever you know that's fine. But when you're talking about inflation, the main root word there is inflation. That's there. And so when we're dealing with this particular circumstance, we already know that we have inflation. We've got CPI that's growing at 6.2%. How is this new information to us, other than saying that the Federal Reserve is going to try to combat it faster than what they were talking about before? Well, and to your point, Jeff, I think it's just one of those where uh, sometimes fear of the unknown is worse than the uh than the boogeyman that you do know and that appears to be a lot of what's driving the markets it's just we have a lot of questions not a lot of answers yet um, and a lot of different uh, moving variables that are different than what we've had the last uh, 10 plus years and so i think it's just causing a lot of this uh just flight panic where people are just pulling out and not knowing what else to do with it um looking forward then with everything that uh that's taken place does this change any of the forecasting for fourth quarter and Q1 and going into 2022? Or um, is the anticipation here that uh, eventually uh, cooler heads will prevail and things will continue marching along uh, like what we've been seeing with uh, all these other uh, stimulus and growth activity that we've seen in the US economy? Well, a great question. I mean, the, the thing that I found quite ironic yesterday while the markets were kind of falling apart was JP Morgan came out uh, with their 2022 outlook, which was for uh, approximately an 8% um, rise in market for the year. Uh, so we see the market falling apart. You've got, I think the thing that's probably most confusing for most investors, and, and again, I get pinged by different people saying different things at different points, but it's, I, I find very ironic because I'll, I'll hear, well, this person saying that the markets could drop 10 to 15%. And this other person saying that the markets are primed for, you know, whatever. There's just as much good news as bad news out there. Uh, the thing about it is that anybody that's throwing out a number or, you know, it's a guess. I mean, we're dealing with things that we've never dealt with before. You know, things are stacked 
in a positive way for the markets. Okay, we've got a we've got extraordinarily low interest rates right now. But you got to remember that even back in the 90s when the markets were raging, you had Fed funds rates that were at four and five percent. So you can have mobility of rates and still have a very strong market. What you want to know is is in a rising rate environment, what impact has you know is there in different parts of your portfolio? And as we see that go on, that's the driving factor. That's where you really uh, need to be paying you know strong attention to it. But to sit there and you know say a JP Morgan or say you know a whatever, you know there, there's just as many doomsayers out there. These are people that are trying to make a name for themselves. You know, the thing to keep in mind is a broken clock is correct twice a day. So if I keep on saying the market's going to drop, the market's going to drop, the market's going to drop, eventually I'm going to be right. Because again, the, the historical nature of it is that the markets have four different time periods in which there's a 5% correction. We haven't even seen that this year. In the midst of everything that we're dealing with, we've had one. Other than that, the markets have generally trended up. One of those 5% corrections should turn into a 10 plus correction every year and we've become very 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 spoiled that we've seen slow steady growth and, and upward mobility so keep everything in perspective i guess is the biggest thing that i would throw out there yes it does change some of the elements to this it's a you know do you want to be in a highly debt ridden company that has been using debt to increase their margins and their profitability in a zero interest rate environment, that's going to go away. You know, it's going to cost them more. It's going to eat into their earnings and their and their their margins. So you want to be looking at the health of the companies that you're investing in, and then understand other things. You know, the the one thing that we're looking at a lot is, okay, these are bottlenecks in you know in physical goods. What about the service side of things? You know, if you're a software developing company. You know, are you running into bottlenecks because the the port of Los Angeles has 80 ships outside of it? Probably not. So it, it's how else can you invest and not get caught in some of the supply chain issues that we're dealing with right now? The biggest unknown is is COVID. I mean, we just went through the fact that we've gone through in the last year and a half, we've gone through a total of 12 variants. We're now at our 13th. If if things continue the way that they are, we're going to run out of Greek letters. Uh, I know you and I were talking about it. I don't know what happens after that. You know, it's kind of like hurricane season. Once you go through the alphabet once, do you start again? I mean, I just don't, uh, I, I don't know what happens with this because none of us have gone through this before. And so the, the biggest thing out there uh, to me is to not hang on every word. Uh, you know, every, you know, everybody's got an opinion in the financial industry, period. If they didn't, they shouldn't be here. But the flip side of it is the the people that are that are pounding the table the hardest are trying to make a name for themselves. They're trying to do it so that they can sit there and plant a flag in the ground and say, see, I called it. I'm really smart. You should follow me. There's an ulterior motive behind the messaging that they're providing to you, which could be buy my newsletter, or I'm a great analyst and stroking their own ego and perhaps get more money from the company that they're working with or whatever else that they're trying to accomplish. You know, with us, we've got no motivation behind it. It's purely a Let's make sure that we're communicating properly with our clients and make sure that they understand what our thought processes are so that there is a calm, collect, collective decision that's being made on their behalf 
rather than to sit there and react to the one up one down days that we're dealing with. So I would just, I would conclude by just saying, be careful, be careful with what you read. You know, the internet is a place that's absolutely, like we said, more information than you care to, to even understand, but you got to realize that all these search engines already know what you're looking for. So the likelihood is that you're going to read more of what you want to read. One of the things that as a collective group, our investment team constantly looks at multiple sources on everything uh, to be able to try to proof what's going on. We're using outside research, our own internal research. We're not taking you know, some you know, un unfounded belief system and taking it for you know, what, it is, what is true. Oftentimes what's going on within this is people talk in half-truths to try to prove a point. So just be careful with what you read, double check it, you know, try to poke holes in it, try to go at it, uh, you know, for more of a constructive thought process and try to figure things out from there. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's great advice, not just for uh, the things that we're talking about today, but in general, because uh, with the, the many voices that are out there, some are fair and balanced, many are trying to prove a point and giving you one side of the argument. So it's a good reminder to all of us that to really understand an issue and to make a smart decision on you kind of, yeah, you have to take the time to understand both sides and uh, to make an unemotional but uh, factually based decision based on uh, the information that's uh, available. So with that, Jeff, always appreciate uh, you taking the time to research these things and share with us your expertise and thoughts as we go through them, especially things as uh, turbulent and uh, timely as talking about the new uh, Delta or the new uh, rather COVID variant. Well, my pleasure. And to all of our listeners, appreciate uh, you giving us your time. And as always, uh, be safe, be happy, and be healthy. Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, is a federally registered investment advisor. The information, statements, and opinions expressed in this material are provided for general information only and are subject to change without notice. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, is not intended as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security, and is not intended as individual or specific advice. It should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, if necessary, seek professional advice. Polaris Wealth does not offer professional, legal, or tax advice. All information contained herein is believed to be accurate, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. Past performance is no guarantee of future returns. Diversification does not assure a profit or protect against loss. Investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. No advice may be rendered by Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, unless a client service agreement is in place.